welcome everyone to another episode of the Get the Pancake podcast. I'm really excited for this week's episode because I have another coach joining me and we're just going to talk volleyball. So she has experience playing for a large club in Minnesota. She played in college. She's been a referee, a coach, a club director, and she's only 28. So I think that's pretty incredible, all of the experiences that you have up until this point. Um, as I already mentioned, I'm really excited to get this chat started. So let's go ahead and just start talking volleyball. Lynette Ray, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast this week. Yeah, it's no problem. <laughs> um, okay, so I already mentioned a few of your highlights. Why don't you go ahead and just summarize your volleyball experience for everyone? Okay. Um, let's see. I started playing volleyball when I was in third grade. What? I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so I started playing when I was in third grade, and then I really got into competitive volleyball, so like club, when I was in sixth grade. And then... I played for a couple of years in my hometown club, and then I decided to go and try out at a larger club in Minnesota. Luckily, I made a team, and then <laughs> I played there for about three years, and during that time, I decided that I wanted to play for college, and so then luckily, I was recruited and got a partial athletic scholarship to a university over in Wisconsin, just a small one. And it was NAIA. And so little different rules than the NCAA, but very mm -hmm. similar. Whenever we did play NCAA teams, we played by their rules. So we never played really by the NAIA rules unless we were playing another NAIA team. And then after that, I, or actually during that time, I was also coaching club volleyball. Um, oh, wow. I, yeah, so my head coach had a club team, and so I would do that during the off-season. And I also became certified as a provisional referee for the Badger region and also for the North Country region here in Wisconsin and Minnesota. So I did a bunch of officiating for club matches during that time. And then I moved to Texas. <laughs> and so when I was in Texas, uh, I actually took about a year off from volleyball, maybe two years. And then I started officiating down in the North Texas region. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I got back into it. And then I started my job as the club director. And then that's how I met you. Yep. And now <laughs> I'm actually back in Minnesota. And I currently am a head coach for the club that I played for when I was in high school. So it's kind of like a full circle effect that happened. So a lot of volleyball going on there. Um, so I want to talk to you real quick about your experience getting recruited. Cause I know a lot of, well, I don't know if a lot of people still think this is, but this is what I thought. I thought you just decided that you wanted to play in college and then magically you would just get on a team somehow like they would reach out to you and be like okay you're on my awesome division one team but that's not how it works no. um, so can you kind of talk about what your experience was like finding a, a school to play for and what the recruitment process was like yeah, so um, my personal experience was maybe it's a little different than how it is right now and um, what my players are going through. But mm -hmm. um, when I was 
looking at colleges, they would basically they contact you. So I never really like went to a school that I thought I wanted to go to Mm -hmm. and approach the volleyball program that way. Mm -hmm. I had the volleyball programs approach me, which is pretty normal um, for most athletes. And so basically uh, the coach just reaches out to you, whether it be like through email or in person. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that there's a whole bunch of regulations now that are different from when I was playing. Yeah. But um, basically the coaches would reach out and say, come in, look at our school, look at our program you know, we'll, we'll have you come out, we'll pay for you to come out and stay with us for either a weekend or overnight, get a feel for it. And then during that time is like, when they really kind of present the offer, what they can give you, whether it be either a full ride, partial, a little bit of money or no money. Um, Mm -hmm. Because some schools like uh, Division Three NCAA do not give athletic scholarships. So I visited, I think probably like five schools and looked at their volleyball programs. These were all schools that wanted me to play volleyball for them. So it Mm -hmm. wasn't, I didn't go to any colleges that I wouldn't play at, but off of that is just, I kind of went off of a feeling and how I felt with the school first, because that's the most important thing. And then also with how I felt with the head coach and kind of their program and the other players that they had there. So what is it like? Can you give, kind of an overview of what your experience was being a student athlete my season during college always started the very first couple days of August we would have two or three days during that time and we were there before the rest of the school obviously arrived because they didn't arrive until the end of August and then we'd always go on a big trip for tournaments and stuff before school started but once school did start it was just um, having to be very organized So you get your practice schedule and your class schedule and the teams usually try to plan practices as best as they can around class schedule. So that's not conflicting too much, but sometimes it did, Mm -hmm. but obviously schools first and then practices after or games are after, but Mm -hmm. you know, if we were going to be out of town ever for, for matches, just communicating with the professors, the professors knew that we were going to be gone because we were athletes, but they appreciated the communication. I felt like I actually was more connected with my professors than other students because I probably talked with them more than they ever did. (laughs) Yeah. I was always telling them if I was out of town or whatever it was going to be that was coming up. Mm -hmm. So I was in constant communication with my professors as well as my coaches. Mm -hmm. And then it's just, it's a matter of planning when you're going to do homework, take tests, write reports, and then getting your practices or your your matches in there. And then also trying to have a social life is a little more difficult. But you do become a little closer with the athletes more so than the other students. But I did have a lot of friends that weren't athletes. So it does Mm -hmm. work. But during that fall season, it is a little crammed. But (laughs) it's just it's all about organization. And every single one of my teammates just we just did it no matter if we were an organized person or not you just have to you had to kind of, yeah yeah you, you just conform to it and that's what it is so yeah and so you also coached club while you mm-hmm. were playing that's insane to me yeah so luckily that that club was a little smaller so they didn't start their club season until um really like December January so it was after my season was over. Mm -hmm. Um, But when it did conflict, which 
they made sure to never plan anything on top of each other. That was kind of the benefit of having my club be run by my head coach was uh-huh. that um, during spring season, it never overlapped, which was nice. I know that some of the coaches that I coach with now, they do have a little bit of overlap if they're still in college, but uh-huh. obviously the team in your, your team is going to kind of trump the club stuff, but right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's all doable and it's just, you just get used to it. I didn't know any different because I didn't go to school and not play sports. So there was never, I never knew what it felt like to not be a student athlete and also a coach at the same time. So, well, there's also, um, I don't remember where I read this quote, but it was, if you want something done, ask a busy person to do it because you just are on top of everything. So it's like, okay, there's no time to like procrastinate. You have to get it done. So yeah. it sounds like your yep. experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what was the first age that you coached? So the first age of club volleyball that I coached was 16s, which is, it's weird to think because I was 18. Uh-huh. Um, well, actually, it was, I was probably 19 at that point. But um, yeah, so when I was a freshman, I actually co-coached with one of my teammates Okay. Uh, so we both kind of split the responsibility and we weren't the top 16s team, but we mm-hmm. did coach 16s together. That's really interesting because even when I've worked with older players, I feel like there is a bit of like a power struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I mean, even if I'm significantly older than them, I still kind of have a challenge with that older group so what was that like did you run into any challenges or was it really easy for you for some reason or kind of talk about coaching when there's only you know two or three years between you and your players yeah so there was a little bit my co-coach was a little more friend like with them more than I was (laughs) Uh and that's just kind of my personality a little bit um and also coming from a super competitive club to a not so competitive club in coaching. It's my mindset's a lot different than a lot of other people's, especially the players. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that was maybe a benefit. Looking back at it, I don't think that there was really, I never tried to be friends with them. And I never, I don't really open up with my players a lot about my personal life as is. So mm-hmm. I don't really, I never, I don't, I guess I didn't really have a problem with that as much as my co coach did, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. Okay. And ha- having coached like alongside you or watching you coach, I know that I don't want to make it sound bad, but you're right. Like you don't try to be friends with them. You're just yeah. like, here's what we're going to do. Go and do it. Like, yeah. It's not a, like, I feel like I'm a little less strict with my players. And maybe that's why I struggle sometimes with those older teams, especially if maybe they're not the best behaved or something, but Mm -hmm. I totally have seen that from you. And actually that was something that I wanted to talk to you about too, being a club director, because I think that, well, that's obviously where I met you just to give everybody listening a little bit of background. So Lynette and I got hired by the same organization at the same time. I was in charge of the sort of the rec program and Lynette was in charge of club. So we worked together, 
but then I also coached for club. So Lynette was my boss. So that was really, um, (laughs) it was a really interesting experience, you know, sitting behind you during the day, talking volleyball all day, but then um, coming and working for you essentially in the evening. So why don't you tell us a little about your experience being a club director? And then I have a lot of questions that I want to ask you about. Yeah, yeah. So what I think is funny is that Whitney and I applied for the same position. You know, so basically we were competing for the same position. I didn't know who she was yet and she didn't know who I was or anything. But um, they then turned it. And once they found out a lot of my experience and success and everything with volleyball, they wanted me to become the director of the club program. And so I didn't really know what was happening, but I just wanted to be with volleyball again. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so thank goodness, because otherwise I would have never met Whitney. So I'm glad that she got that (laughs) position over me. I mean, it was an adjustment because it really, it is, it is so different than being just a coach. And so that's all that I had really done. I did do an internship when I was in college, working with my club that I was coaching with at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I knew how to run tournaments. I knew how to, you know, reach out to local schools and marketing and all that type of stuff with that and how to pull data and the resources that I needed for all of that. Also, I ran a bunch of club camps Mm -hmm. during the summertime. And so I had a a lot of experience with that. And so none of that was necessarily new to me. The new aspect was dealing with parents and (laughs) dealing with the region and um, (laughs) figuring out how to budget everything that was all new to me and stuff that I hadn't done in any type of workspace before I had studied that in my undergrad and then also I do have an MBA and so I learned a lot of that stuff throughout that but I never actually done it and so it was all a learning curve Mm -hmm. and luckily our VPs at the organization that we were at they were really helpful and explaining things and breaking things down with me. And so I did have a different experience than most clubs because most clubs are individual organizations Mm -hmm. that, you know, one or two people or some investors own. And then, you know, then they run it from there and that's all it is. It's all by itself. Luckily our club that we were working with was under a big organization. So I didn't have like that full, full, experience of like this is my company like I physically own this I had more of an experience of like I work for a company that owns this club Mm -hmm. so it was it was interesting it was really hard it wasn't what I love to do at all I what I love to do is I love to coach volleyball (laughs) and so (laughs) taking a step out of that um, was different I actually went from being the director at that club to then working for a club um, and, and it's the club that I currently coach for. And that was even just totally different. Cause I went from having like five teams to working with 35 teams. Yeah. <laughs> and that's so, nuts. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was a huge jump in that. And like, thank goodness. Um, I did that for, I just did it for a short while, but, um, I mean, there's just so many, there's still so many things about it that I don't even know. And I, I have questions on, but it's kind of just like any job, you just got to figure it out. And, and work through it the best that you can. Um, I like what you uh, mentioned about being a club director. Like, I know you kind of fell into it. I feel like 
I obviously we both applied for the job and then they ended up creating the two positions. Mm -hmm. Um, But I thought that it was going to be a lot more volleyball. And what (laughs) I learned and what it seems like you learned is being a club director or being in charge of a rec program, it's not necessarily volleyball all day. Instead, it's a lot of communicating with parents, like you said, budgeting. Um, I was organizing referees a lot Mm -hmm. and just setting up practice schedules. And like you mentioned, you left being a club director to go and coach. And I think we actually both left right around the same time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I stopped. I left my position because, well, I wanted to focus on get the pancake and growing that. But Mm -hmm. I also just really missed coaching. And so I don't know if there are people who are listening who just love coaching. It's okay to stay as a coach. You don't have to aspire to club director unless, you know, unless that's something that you really want to do. You want to be in charge of your own program or be in charge of another large organization. But it's okay to stay as a coach because if you really love working with the kids and like I love that interaction of you know bringing someone onto the team and seeing them grow over the season it's okay to stay as a coach like you don't have to aspire to these higher levels so would you be a club director again or would you rather stay as a coach or is there another position in volleyball that you enjoy um I guess after I was a club director, I then became a, the youth coordinator for the club Mm -hmm. that I am now coaching for. And I only did that for about six months. And I learned during that time, even more, just how much, like you said, it's not about necessarily volleyball. It's about all the other things with it. And I, I enjoyed it and I loved it. And I love the club that I work for like I love them but I just couldn't Mm -hmm. do it at where I Mm -hmm. was in my life and so I did have to step away but now that I've been just a coach for two years um that is my number one thing that is my like passion that I have for volleyball right now and I don't Mm -hmm. think that I'll step away from that do I think that I'll become a club director I don't think so because Mm -hmm. um I want to just (laughs) enjoy it and so I mean, I would not be opposed to going back and working for the club that I currently work for, that I coach for, Uh I mean. Um, I would potentially step into a role depending on what role it it is, but I don't think I would ever direct that club or any other club. Um, I've thought about, like, doing high school coaching, which is a whole nother world, or even coaching college, which, again, is a whole nother world. But it's Mm -hmm. just not something that I see in the near future. It would have to be a little ways down the road. So Yeah, we might say like, oh, no, I'd never be a club director. But then maybe two years, the right opportunity comes up. And it's like, oh, never mind. I want to do that. (laughs) Yeah, Um, Yeah. Well, as the club director, whenever I was having issues with my players or my team or clinics that are running, I know that. A lot of the bigger issues, if I can't solve them, they get pushed onto you. <laughs> and mm-hmm. yep. that's not always the most fun thing, especially when you are at a bigger club. That's a lot of interaction with yeah. parents, a lot of potential for issues. I know when you started, there were already some existing coaches and then you brought in your own coaches. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Because I know a lot of people listening are either applying for jobs or 
maybe like considering moving to different clubs. What did you look for in an interview when you were hiring coaches? When I would hire coaches, I would definitely look at their experience. Obviously, Mm -hmm. that's going to be the first thing is what is their experience with volleyball? Do they play all through high school? Do they play club volleyball? What clubs did they play for? Did they continue and play in college? Are they currently in college? Uh, All of those different things really determine, especially if they're going to be an assistant or if they're going to be a head coach. So Mm -hmm. the ones that maybe didn't have the most experience, didn't play super competitive volleyball would become the assistant coaches. And then the ones that have, you know, a lot of that experience, they kind of have more of a dominant personality stuff that you pick up on right away when you meet somebody Those would tend to be more of the head coaches. Really, it kind of went off of also scenarios. I would give them, you know, if this happened in practice, how would you handle it? If this happened with a parent, how would you handle it with that parent or that player, whatever it might be? And Mm -hmm. based off of how they answered and how confident they were in their answers kind of really determines a lot about Mm -hmm. that person and how they would, would be in that situation. And as a a club director, I would always reiterate that if something happens, you should come and talk with the director (laughs) more (laughs) sooner than later, not try to handle it necessarily on your own. Um, Uh because it, it can just turn into a disaster, especially with a parent and a player and everything. And so, Uh um, if a parent ever confronted them first, to walk away from the parent, but then also to make sure that the director is aware of what's going on, because at some point that parent's probably going to go to that director anyways. And so, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but they might be on call waiting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I know. Fortunately, I was sitting right behind you and got to tell you all of the things going on with my team. But yeah, I think that is important that coaches have that communication just because I'm telling you about an issue doesn't mean I need you to solve it for me but it is important that the director is aware of issues going on just in case they do get called especially that way they have the coach's perspective of what happened Mm -hmm. um, which might not always match a parent's perspective or a player's perspective so yes I encourage a lot of communication with your club director (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about your experience as a referee because I think that that is just fascinating when I first started coaching in my region we were so that was Siva region which is Columbia Empire that's where I first started coaching um, where I played and head coaches or just teams that were going to tournaments this was back in 2008 I don't know if it's the same there still but you had to be the up ref and the down ref um, so if you were assigned to ref a match that meant everything there was no head official Mm -hmm. or up ref in place and I'm just going to tell you a funny story real quick (laughs) so I was so nervous the first time that I did this because I absolutely hate being wrong and Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so I like read the rule book obviously you know I played a lot and I was aware of all the rules but I just really didn't want to like miss because there are a bunch of really random rules like about delays and everything. So I'm trying to keep all of that in mind and like, what do I consider a carry? What do I not? And literally the first ball, the first play of the first time that I'm roughing, 
the team serves it. They rally back and forth a couple times. And then one of the teams has four touches on the ball, but I literally did not see it. Okay. <laughs> because I was so focused on like, okay, was that a carry or is anybody in the net? And I was just so focused on everything else that I missed one of the most obvious things. And fortunately they hit it out of bounds. Yeah. I didn't like miss it necessarily, but like the parents started yelling at me. Oh gosh. Like as soon as that fourth hit was made. And so I always felt it took me a long time to work up confidence in that referee, especially the up ref position. Um, So I have a lot of respect for referees and always try to give them benefit of the doubt and just be nicer to them. But what was your experience like? I'm really interested in hearing about it. Before I had started to ref for the regions, the again, the club that I was coaching with and, you know, in college and everything, we would officiate on the weekends to fundraise money for our school season. So for college. And Mm -hmm. um, so I had a lot of experience with that. And then also the same thing that you went through where when you go to a tournament and if you're coaching, if there's no up ref, you have to up ref. And so I had experience with that and I always liked officiating at that time. And so I never really was scared of it. I mean, it's always nerve wracking to stand above the net and above everybody else and have a whistle and like have to show signals and give the right points and everything. But I, I think I was just young and arrogant or ignorant. I don't know. And so I just was like, I knew what was going on, even though I probably didn't at times. But I would say when I went through the training to become an official for the region, I learned a lot. The Mm -hmm. class that I took was really informative. I was never afraid to contact the regions and ask some questions. This was when I was up here in the north. And then also when Mm -hmm. I was in Dallas, Mm -hmm. I actually created a good relationship with those people in the office. And so that was always nice. I mean, the biggest thing is if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. And it's not the end of the world. It doesn't determine the game. Mm. I know that I can get down to the final two points of the match and everything and things can happen. And sometimes officials make the wrong decision or call the wrong play or whatever it might be. But ultimately, it is not your fault. Mm -hmm. If you are not an official, so if you don't have the uniform on or the patch or anything like that, I think that coaches need to be aware of that and give you a little bit of grace. We actually officiated a couple weekends ago here and we had to be the up official or our teammates. I coach 18s now. And so some of my girls wanted to be the up official. So they got to experience that, but you, you just kind of let things go. And so parents are the worst (laughs) and they tell you in the training classes for becoming an official that the parents are the number one reason why officials don't come back. And so if you're a parent listening or a coach and you freak out on your officials quite often, you need to take a reality check and just calm down because it's not necessarily their fault at that point. It's your fault. And so also remembering that officials are there to help guide the game. They're not there to control the game. And so I like that. (laughs) Yeah. And so they're just there to keep it going. That's the main thing. Um, They're there to let the players play and not control every little thing. They're not their coach. So if a girl is doubling the ball every single time that she's setting, that's not the official's fault. 
and it's not necessary. It's not really anybody's fault, but it's not the official's job to coach that setter how to become a good setter. Um, right. It's that official's job to keep the game going. And so if she doubles it and it's not really that bad, they probably won't call it. And especially depending on whatever age it is. But if, you know, if it's terrible and it's like she really double touches the ball or she lifts it or anything, then yeah, the official will call it as many times as she does that. But if the ball's spinning, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a double either. People always mistaken stuff for things that are not correct. Because the, the ball can spin forward and not be considered a double. It can spin uh-huh. sideways and be considered more of a double. And it depends yeah. on how many times it's rotating, really how it looked coming off the setter's hands. All of that stuff goes into it, and it's just a judgment call. And then also remember, if you are officiating and you are the up official, you have the entire play to call any call you need to call. So what, what that means is if, if your down official sees the fourth touch, and you don't, and your down official is giving you a signal for four touches and looking at you, and the play is still going, you can call it at any point after that. So even when you blow the whistle and the play is dead, you still have a chance to then call the proper call if you want to, or if you can. You don't have to call it immediately as soon as it happens. Like You have until the play is over to really sit and determine what it is. So sometimes I'll see something and I'll it'll be already on the other side of the net and they'll be about ready to hit the ball back over. And I'll be like, no, they actually doubled it or whatever it Uh might've been. And then I call it, you know, so just breathe when you're up official (laughs) and when you're the down official, you have a lot less responsibility. So it really doesn't matter. Um, But when you're the up official, just breathe and take your time and don't rush it. So So that being said though, I imagine, I mean, you are obviously super confident, and I'm so jealous of you for that. Um, <laughs> I I come off as confident. I'm not actually confident. I I come. I just have like a hard shell because I have to, and then I go home and I get upset and I worry about it. But in the moment, I just try to shake it off. Just like no, yeah. This is what I said, and then you go home because I've been delayed in making some calls, even as a down ref, but especially as an up ref, like there's a little delay where you're like, oh, was there a touch on that? Were they in the net? And you kind of have to think about it for a second. And then you make the call. So I imagine if you wait too long, even though you do have that amount of time to make the call and you can feel confident in that call, I imagine that the crowd and the coach and the teams probably give you a lot of negative feedback in the moment. How do you deal with that? I mean. Sometimes the crowd is helpful and sometimes it's not. Sometimes they'll see something and I necessarily don't see it. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I look at my either my line judges or the R2 and you can kind of get off from there of what's correct and what's not. I know that a lot of officials wear earplugs. Um, oh. Yeah. It's not uncommon to wear, to wear earplugs. I kind of it kind of everything kind of zones out for me. And this might be different for other people. I think it has to do with my experience of playing is that Mm -hmm. when I'm playing or I'm coaching or I'm doing anything, everything else is kind of oblivion in a way besides Uh what's actually going on. So I don't, I don't necessarily let it affect me. It does. I mean, I can hear I can hear coaches, I can hear the parents at times when they're complaining. Mm -hmm. But if I'm confident in what I'm doing, then I just know that they're they're complaining just to complain. They're not actually, they don't have necessarily a valid reason to complain. 
That's not, definitely true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and I've definitely been on the other side of it. I, when I coach, I mean, I complain to the, to the officials at times when I know that they're wrong, but <laughs> am I going to win? No, I'm not. I'm not going to win. So it's just having, it, it just gives you a different perspective and, you know, you get more respect for the officials and everything they have to deal yeah. with. The yeah. only time that I've actually legitimately gotten mad at a referee, I just felt like she maybe let a lot of things go, um, which I understand, you know, at a certain age level, you don't call everything super tight. You do want them to be able to play volleyball. But mm-hmm. um, there was one particular call that just stands out in my mind where my player went up went to try to block the ball, missed it, ball went out or something. But then she called my player in the net. I'm watching very closely. She wasn't in the net. Um, you know, whatever. I'm freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> like she wasn't in the net doing the typical coach thing, which I don't encourage, but that sometimes, you know, when you get so frustrated, it does come out. Like she wasn't in the net. Obviously not thinking I'm going to change her mind. But then she asks my player and she says, well, were you in the net? And my player says, no. And then she still calls her. <laughs> yeah. Net. I was like, what are you doing? Like, why, are yeah. you gonna, why are you even going to ask? Just make the call if you're going to make the call. But yeah, I do have a lot of respect for referees. And at all costs, I try to avoid any confrontation with them. And I always teach my players, you know, even if you don't agree, like, so what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's the call that they made. Move on. Like, yeah. It's not, it's not going to control the game, even if it was wrong and obviously wrong. Whatever. Just on the next point I did have another question I forgot to ask you going back to being club director really quick I wanted to ask you what your experience was so you're 28 now this was a couple years ago most of the coaches I believe were older than you what was that like because I know we have a lot of young coaches that listen to get the pancake or go to the website and they might not feel like they can be a club director yet just because of their age and like be in charge of people who are older than them. What was that like managing coaches who were either a couple years older than you or even significantly older than you? Hmm. So it was intimidating. It was a little, (laughs) it was a little hard. My benefit was that I had more experience with a larger club and Mm -hmm. more competitive teams. And I also, you know, I have a lot of connections with coaches and directors from other clubs and other college teams and everything. And so I I use them a lot to help me out with questions that I might have. But, you know, when I had to have those hard conversations with coaches when things weren't going right, and they're 20 years older than me, it is a little (laughs) awkward. And it is a little weird. But I just you know, I, I would make sure that they knew that I valued their opinions and their thoughts and what they were doing and how they were doing it. And then I would just make sure that we would have good conversations of how we could fix it, not only individually with that coach, but also how I could help them and grow with that. And so I think going in with more of a humble mindset and that, you know, Mm -hmm. you're, you're lucky that you have this coach and that you have this person that's sacrificing a lot of time for maybe not necessarily a lot of pay Mm. to work with, you know, 10 to 12 athletes that Mm -hmm. probably are the real problem more so than the actual (laughs) coach. And so, um, 
I mean, it's just all about communication and understanding that you're not always going to be right. They're not always going to be right. And that you're just, you know, the volleyball world is constantly growing and it's constantly changing rules and just how the the athletes are, are is just oh, for sure. different every single time mm-hmm. that you have a team and every year it just, it, it keeps changing. So I mean, you just have to have an open mindset as a director and you can't just stick to one way because that's where, you know, the downfall is going to come for mm-hmm. that club or for that team or whatever it might be. So you were able, basically, like, age didn't really bother you. It's just, you know, if you had a difficult conversation, it would have been difficult either way. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, maybe... I, I, the age did. In the moment, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go talk to this person that's way older than me. But all like all together it wasn't necessarily an ending factor or uh-huh. you know it's it, it, it I had like to do side, yeah 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 I had to do what I had to do and so I did it <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so your team now and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about coronavirus because yeah. I feel like I am like overloaded on that information but your season is still going but it's on pause right now correct yes so and you said you're coaching an 18s team how because in my mind that's got to be the hardest age to work with right now how is your team dealing with that how are you dealing with it the club your region everything so just to put a little bit of perspective into what my team is going through right now we are supposed to be leaving for Italy on Sunday, but we're not, obviously. For <laughs> yeah, that's reasons. not happening. Yeah. Um, but essentially, that's where we are at in our season. And so that got canceled in the beginning of March, mm-hmm. um, which was really hard on the girls because, you know, my club has been doing that for the past 10 years, and they look forward to that. And it's one of the main reasons why these 18s players come back and play instead of Mm -hmm. taking time off before they go to play in college. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of them were very upset about that. I mean, if not all of them. And so that was a really hard adjustment for, for us just to begin with. And then luckily we still had the Colorado Crossroads tournament we were looking forward to and we had practice. And then the next day we were supposed to get up and get on a plane and go to Colorado. Well, when we woke up the, the Crossroads the second weekend had gotten canceled and so we weren't getting on a plane and essentially that is the last time that I really like saw my my team was at that practice the night before and so how long ago was that um what is it about two three weeks three weeks over three weeks now okay yeah and so that was extremely hard for them and hard for me just the club as a whole and the region as a whole because once that got canceled it turned into well, can we get them into a tournament locally here this weekend? And then by the time like 10 a.m. rolled around that day, everything was getting shut down. So it just, Mm -hmm. it happened so quickly and so fast. Obviously my girls were upset about that and it, it was hard. And so from there, what I did was I just, I always communicate with my players as much as I can with as much information as I know. Now this is Uh different because they're 18 rather than younger girls. If Uh they were my 15s team from last year, I wouldn't necessarily communicate all the information to them. I would go more route to their parents. Um, I do contact the parents, but not as much as my actual players. 
And so every time that something changed with our club right now, I am immediately texting my team, telling them what's going on, explaining to them. And then for the first like three things that I would text them, they were, it was just all bad news over and over and over. And so they weren't responding. Oh, that's so yeah, sad. They weren't responding. And finally I was like, are you guys getting my messages? And they're like, yeah, we are. But I, they, they're just upset and just sad because not only is their club season getting completely ruined in a way but their their whole high school career like for everything like graduation proms other ceremonies and events are all getting changed canceled postponed whatever it might be and so they're Mm -hmm. just not living that normal senior life right Mm -hmm. now and so it's really hard on them um and I I it just I just like can't even I can't even understand what they're going through because 18 is already hard enough as is yeah and so I'm just it's just really hard but what I did with them actually earlier this week was I sent them a message with a couple questions of what they're doing right now Uh um, how they're staying active you know what movies or tv shows are they watching what are they doing with their families that might be new and different that they don't normally do with their families just those types of questions and I kind of left it up to them to respond if they wanted to. And uh-huh. it almost immediately all 10 of them responded with a, a long paragraph <laughs> of what was going on and how much they missed everybody. And so that was really nice. But, you know, if if it were my younger teams I've coached, I would probably do more of that, like more yeah. weekly things with them. But since they're 18, they don't really want to necessarily talk to me all the time and they have their own group message that they chat in and everything but I figured every once in a while that's something that we can do to talk well it's just with yeah with the younger players you know it's kind of like okay well this season's you know whatever's going on with this season but Mm -hmm. I'll see you guys next year or something yeah yeah 18s you know it's like there's just not a lot of good news (laughs) right yeah yeah unfortunately um so I know like USA Volleyball has said everything up until April 30th is no longer sanctioned, but hopefully we'll see what happens. Things are going to pick up after that. I know SIVA, which is my former region, which is like Oregon, Washington, they canceled the season. Ohio Valley region, OVR, they canceled the season. Um, Actually, in their letter, it says pending a miracle. Yeah, everything's over. But I know there are still a lot of regions that are staying open, kind of keeping fingers crossed that we're going to get back out on the court and finish up, you know, the season. Are they going to try and kind of like pack all the weekends later? Or what do you think is going to happen with that? So my club actually runs a lot of big tournaments and a qualifier. Uh huh. And so they move their qualifier from about the end of April to the end of middle of May, I think it is now. Um, okay. And so as of now, we are playing in that. We also have another tournament that is over Memorial Day weekend that we mm-hmm. are planning on as well to be playing in. And I know that they open the doors to a lot. That, I mean, nationally to people to come and sign up because a lot of that stuff, you have to sign up for qualifiers and everything before, let's say, like October 1st. And after that point, you get put on a waiting list and it's near impossible to get in. And so with that, with the change of it, they offered it first to the clubs that were originally in it. And then they opened it up to 
more clubs. Mm-hmm. And so that is their plan. I know that Colorado Crossroads for their second weekend, because the first weekend happened. The first mm-hmm. weekend for their qualifier did happen. The second weekend is the one that got canceled. That is moved to the middle of June. And then as far as I know, USJO Nationals is still on, still happening in Dallas, the same mm-hmm. time frame. Nothing's changed. And then same with AU Nationals in Florida. Mm-hmm. That is not changed either. So with my team, we were going to be ending on Memorial Day anyways. That's when they've been ending our 18s. But okay. our 17s and under go through USJO Nationals. Or okay. if they don't qualify for that, then they everyone goes to AUs. We do both of those as a club. Uh-huh. And so as far as I know, everybody's doing that. I know that we just asked the 18s if anybody wanted to do AAUs. I don't know what the results are yet for that. So Mm -hmm. my season might get extended by an additional month. But as far as I know, I'm ending on Memorial Day weekend. We'll have less than a month of practices because we will start practices the beginning of May. Uh Um, And then we will do those two tournaments and we will be done. And then the rest of the teams in my club will be going on unless something changes. But as of right now, that is what's happening. That's the plan. Yeah. So something that is sticking out to me from this entire conversation is that communication seems to be like what has made you so successful in everything that you're doing. So I did want to mention really quick that you created the team questionnaire packet that's on get mm-hmm. Um, it's in the shop if anybody wants to go and check it out. And it's also included in a couple of the bundles that are available if you want to get like a lot of printables. But I've gotten a lot of feedback from people and they really enjoy like the feedback that they get from their players with the questionnaire packet. And I think it just makes so much sense now that this is what you sent to me to include in the shop because it sounds like communication has just been one of the things that, like I said, has made you so successful. So can you kind of talk about what is in the team questionnaire packet just briefly and kind of how you use it and that sort of thing? (laughs) Yeah. So I definitely agree. Communication is probably the most important thing with being a club director, being a coach, even being a teammate. Uh, If you're not communicating with your teams, then you're not doing anything to necessarily benefit them. Because what's so cool about these young players is that they're so smart and they Mm -hmm. know a lot and they see a lot. They may not say a lot, but they definitely are aware of what's going on and what can benefit the team in in a positive way or a negative way. They they're those players are the reason why I know when something's going wrong. It's not Mm -hmm. just me like finding it out, it's me communicating with my players of what's going on specifically and finding mm-hmm. the root problem. And so these questionnaires that I created, they are for the beginning of the season. So right away, once you guys get started and then there's a mid season one and then um, there's the end of the year one. And so the beginning of the season, the, the first thing I want to know is what they think their age of that program is supposed to look like. So mm-hmm. what does 18s look like in your club? What is it supposed to sound like in the gym? What is it supposed to look like when somebody walks in and sees the teams practicing? And um, also, how does it feel specifically with that player? What is it? Is it supposed to bring them joy or competitiveness or whatever it is? 
mm-hmm. just a way for them to kind of express that. And then it goes on to just ask what their expectations are for the season, what they really want to get better on. So, you know, kind of more of a specific thing that that player wants to improve on. The benefit with that question is, is that in the beginning of the season, you get one answer in the middle of the season, you get to go back and look off mm-hmm. of their um, mid-season review if it's the same thing or if they've already accomplished that and now they're moving on to something new and then at the end of the season when they give that to you that answer then you're able to kind of help them before they move on to their next team of here's what you need to specifically do to get better at this that's one thing that I do outside of that even I write them a letter of what they need to do specifically when they go to their next team and typically I've done the final questionnaire before that so I can read through it and answer any questions they might have Mm -hmm. so those are some benefits also I always ask how can we as coaches help you if there's something specific that we need to know if there's something specific that we can be doing better in the beginning of the season it's more like they're going to tell me that they have asthma or um, that you know this is new for them and they don't understand they're new to the club and they're scared or what it kind of opens that door middle Mm -hmm. of the season it tells us what we need to work on or what we do really well with as coaches Mm -hmm. and then end of the season it just helps me and my assistant know what we need to improve on for the next year for whatever team we have moving forward so that's really beneficial and then I think my favorite question is in the mid-season review I ask my players what their favorite drill is because they all have kind of different answers and why it's their favorite drill. And then uh-huh. I, I try to incorporate that a little bit more because it it's, it's almost the same drill for everyone too. Like, and it's like a drill that you wouldn't even expect to half the time. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, it's just weird, but um, that's probably my favorite question to ask them. And you can always alter the questionnaires a lot uh-huh. of times Whenever I've done it, the girls have literally filled it completely full and then even right on the back. I wish you could see pictures of my A-teams because they, I had them do the mid-season one during practice one day, which was a big mistake because it took them like, some girls it took like, it it took everyone at least 25 minutes and then some girls it took like 45 minutes. Yeah. Oh my god! But these things are full and they have so much information and so when my sister, my assistant and I just read through them, we're just like, oh my gosh, there's things that we didn't even know that was going on. You know, it, it, it really is helpful. And sometimes it's hard because they tell you the truth, whether they're mm-hmm. 12, 15, 18, whatever they are, they're going to tell you how they feel. And so it can be hard in that way sometimes, but it's, it's more beneficial than not. Can you give an example maybe of a time when somebody's response really caught you off guard or either in a good way or a bad way when something like completely blindsided you? Um, so I think with my current team, there are some players that (laughs) I guess one of my, one of the funniest things, not funny, but like surprising is when my players want me to be more intense Because I am an intense person, but they want like more of it from me. And so I think that catches me off guard, especially the 18s, because this is my first year coaching 18s. They they really wanted me to be a lot harder on them. And I didn't really know that until I did the questionnaire, because I think I am hard, but I'm also like, hey, they're 18. We're just going to get ready for college and we're just going to get better at some skills and everything else. But it's different than 
coaching at 15s where they're trying to win uh-huh. nationals. Right. Um, and so a little bit of a different dynamic, but my team specifically is so competitive and they're very, they just very hard on themselves in some ways. And so when a lot of them came back and just said like, be more intense and like make practices harder, I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like I didn't know that, but, and then I look back and I'm like, okay, maybe I have been a little more lenient than other other teams that I've coached. And so I think that that was really surprising, but again, I would have never known that unless I would have done the questionnaire. That's I've had, um, I've had players also tell me like, coach, when are you going to yell at us? Yeah. Like, Why would I yell at you? Like, yeah. You know, cause I'm very like, let's point out all the positive things that you're doing. And, you know, I feel like half the time they say that, but then if you actually did yell at them, then they wouldn't actually like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I know, um, that is really interesting, though, that you got that feedback. So were you did you make any changes then after after you read that? Oh, definitely. I I kicked their butt. I mean, <laughs> to the point where they were like on the ground, laying on the ground. I, I And I just I told them, I'm like, you guys asked for this. You know, uh-huh. like I, I I'm not going to ask anything that they can't do. I know that they're right, all capable right. of it. But I mean, yeah, it was just I really picked it up. And so that's why like this whole coronavirus thing really messed up everything because we were we were making some really good changes as a team and things were happening and I was really excited because we were really focusing on getting ready for college and just like everything and just to have it kind of be on pause for six weeks really messes up some stuff Um, yeah but yeah no I definitely definitely make changes like if they if they fill out that questionnaire and you don't make the changes that you need to make then they know that and they're gonna look at you and they're gonna be like well she obviously doesn't care about what I want from this team or what I want as an athlete so I feel like it's such a great opportunity to kind of earn some respect from your players too like Mm -hmm. okay I didn't realize that you guys uh, maybe thought that we were standing around too much or maybe that I talked too much because I know I yeah. I can ramble for forever. Yeah. Um, so if they give you that feedback and then you show that you're making those changes, it shows that you respect them and they kind of, like you said, the players are smart. They're a lot smarter than we give them credit for than so, most of the time than they show us because a lot of times they're just silly and goofy. Definitely. Um, but they are smart and they notice when you're making those changes. So that's awesome that you created that, that you're sharing it with everyone. Again, I've gotten a lot of good feedback from coaches who have used it. So thank you for sharing that with yeah. us. Oh, well, and what, well, one thing else about that questionnaire is that, you know, when, when your club directors or other coaches or lead coaches come and, and ask you questions about your team, and let's say a player or a parent was complaining about you, you have that information written down as a resource. And so if, if the players are being honest, like they should be when they fill that out, you then have that to support your case in case anybody is complaining about your coaching style or about how you're handling things. And you can say, Hey, your daughter didn't say anything. And she's had this opportunity to say all this stuff. And so I wouldn't know unless she tells me. And if she's too afraid to come tell me face to face, I give her an outlet to tell me to write it out. And she's indicated nothing. And so, you know, it's it's another resource in that just to back your case as a coach. Because sometimes I feel like we get backed into a corner and we're trying Uh to explain why we're doing what we're doing. And sometimes if we don't have that resource, then 
we do get all that blame and when we mm-hmm. shouldn't necessarily get all that blame as a coach. So, yeah, because it's very hard for players to take the time to be like, Hey coach, um, I'd like more playing time for an example, because yeah. that happens all the time. Yeah. I'd like more playing time. What can I do to get better or something like that? And, you know, face to face, that can be very challenging, especially for younger yeah, players definitely. and they get intimidated. But if you give them like, say anything you want on this questionnaire um, or anything that I need to know. You can't just say whatever, obviously, like if you say something crazy, yeah. <laughs> um, like there's consequences, yeah. yeah, like be open with me. I'm willing to take your feedback and have a discussion with you about this. And, you know, maybe you learn that nobody really understands your playing time philosophy or players just need to be kind of their role needs to, be clarified on a team or something like that but yes if the player doesn't tell you you're not a mind reader you have no clue that when they go home they're crying on the way home from practice because they're not getting playing time when they come into the gym and they're happy you know that's all you see you don't know that you need to explain it further but letting them write it down especially if you send it home with them or something and they take the time to sit down and share that information with you then you can actually address it, whether that's through education or actually making changes. But yeah, I, I love the questionnaire packet. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Me too. Um, so we'll go ahead and wrap up because, you know, you've got things to do. So do you have any tips for new volleyball coaches or is there anything that maybe I just didn't bring up in your experience that you want to kind of talk more about or introduce um, to the conversation just before I let you go? I would say as new volleyball coaches or new directors or new to anything ever, make (laughs) sure that you just ask questions. Make sure that you remember or write down the challenges that you face so you can look back at it and have kind of a reference point to any kind of conflict or situation that you might get into down the road because it's probably going to happen again or something like it. But definitely don't be afraid to ask people for help. And also, I am an introvert. And so if (laughs) I can do this and um, work through it and, you know, and still enjoy it, that means that anybody can because I know extroverts love it. Like extroverts just love coaching, love doing all this. But um, coaching can be just a really great thing for any type of personality. <laughs> I love it. I'm an introvert too. Who would have yeah. thought that <laughs> yeah. we'd be doing a podcast together? I know, right? <laughs> but um, thank you so much, Lynette. You have shared so many great tips and just your experiences, I think, are going to help a lot of coaches. So I really, really appreciate you being on the podcast this week. And hopefully, because I already came up with a bunch of other questions that I have for you. <laughs> so hopefully I can get you to come back sometime um maybe after your season's over or something. Yeah. But thank you for being on the podcast and everyone that's listening, if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe, share it with your friends, and then leave a review if you can in the app that you're listening to. And I will see you all in next week's episode.